Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And welcome back to part two of Hamilton. Yes, it is part two of Courtney recapping Hamilton the musical to me. Yes. It's not that I had a stance against it. I just felt like there was a purity in me being the last person in the world to know about Hamilton. I thought it was you just didn't want me to be happy by sharing this with you. (laughs) Maybe a little bit of that. (laughs) I'm like, I love musicals and Rose is like, unless they're animated, I hate them. To be fair, I do hate musicals, but Broadway plays do work. Yes. Does this only exist on Broadway or is there like a TV special? There is um, a TV special where they recorded it with the original cast and it's on Disney+. Plus. Oh, okay. Don't look at me like that. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> watch it. Well, it's so good. I saw. Okay. So I saw it live when it came to Cincinnati. Oh, nice. Okay. Not the original cast. I didn't get to see Lin-Manuel Miranda or Davy Diggs or Leslie Oldham. I didn't get to see any of, you know, the OGs, but the cast that was here that did it was pretty good. Well, like we said, this is Part two, if you haven't listened to part one, you should go listen to it. I think we left off at the end of act one very dramatically. So what I remember happening is that Alexander Hamilton had the constitution passed, right? He had it approved. Yeah. So Hamilton went into a manic episode in order to get the constitution um, instituted, eradicated no in order to get (laughs) girl (laughs) not eradicated (laughs) you know what the constitution was written by old white men a long time ago i think it's time that we redo it okay correction it was written by young white men a long time ago which i don't know if that's worse you know what you got the right idea but (laughs) the wrong this ain't us anymore you know what this was this was America a long time ago, and we've changed. It's time. It's time. What, it's Courtney, time. what do you want him to do with the Constitution? The Constitution is literally... Rewrite it. Okay. Update it. Modernize it. You want the Constitution to be more modern? Yes. Yes, yes. That's what I want. So do you want there to be kind of like slang in there? No. Like, on God, you know, we are low-key <laughs> all human beings. Exactly. You know what? The slang is not necessary for me, but I think that updating it to kind of fit with modern life a little bit better with modern interpretations to fit technology and stuff like that, I think it's it's time. It's hmm. time. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it has been over 200 years. Maybe you could put something in the Constitution that every 200 years, it gets updated to the times so that when we are Mm -hmm. all robots, it says all robots are created equal. (laughs) You know what? Yeah. And then there's going to be someone that's like, not gray robots. Gray robots don't have rights. (laughs) (laughs) Not self-updating robots. We're never going to escape the terribleness of humanity, even when we are robots. But anyway, I just really want it updated to, you know, put on paper that women are better than men, girl, and they should bow to us. How do you propose we ever sneak this past men? Um, We'll put it in the instructions to something and they'll just never know what it says. Just name the Constitution instructions to U.S. life. And they'll be like, oh, we don't need this. How to build a democracy. And they're gonna be like, whoop, (laughs) just yeet it right out the window. Instructions on how to build a democracy and no man Mm -hmm. will read it. Okay. Yeah. No, you know what? I was doubting you, but you, I should have believed in you. You always have a plan. Yeah. Yes. So we're going to pick up right where I left off. 
Act two starts off, essentially, Thomas Jefferson is returning from France. He was the ambassador to France. He's been there for a long time. He's been there for years, like basically the entire revolution. Mm -hmm. He gets back. He has letters from the president. He, you know, is just bombarded with responsibility the minute he gets back. John Madison is like, bruh. Thank God you're back. Alexander Hamilton's running wild. Mm -hmm. You're really the only one that I think can stand up to him because he's basically like attached to George Washington's ass. Did we talk about Thomas Jefferson in the first part? Because I don't remember. I think I referenced him with the slavery talk where Thomas Jefferson was like, shut your whore mouth. Gotcha. Um, Okay. Yeah, yeah. But he was not in the first act at all. Okay. And so is it just presumed that he knows Hamilton or... He knows of Hamilton probably from correspondences from his friends. Okay. I don't think he and Hamilton have ever met before. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but Thomas Jefferson comes back. He was appointed the Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. John Madison is like, hey, Alexander's running wild. He wants to pass this insane financial plan. It's essentially government tyranny. We need you to come over here and put him in his place. So Thomas Jefferson gets to the Senate and I want to believe this actually happened in history. Don't tell me I'm wrong, but they have a rap battle. It's called Cabinet Rap Battle One. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we did mention that if government officials had rap battles to get their points across, more people would pay attention. I really just want to see AOC rap battling against Ted Cruz. She would wipe the floor with him. We would be in the background like, ooh. Ooh. I think AOC would absolutely wipe the floor with Ted Cruz Mm -hmm. or Mitch McConnell. Honestly, like Mitch McConnell probably wipes the floor with himself trying to get out of bed. But (laughs) (laughs) anyways, we're not talking about turtle soup. What we are talking about is the cabinet rap battle with Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton. Okay. For your sanity Mm -hmm. and our listener's sanity. Okay. I will not be wrapping this battle. Wow. Excuse me. Let's pause for the groans of disappointment everywhere. <laughs> I will be wrapping some of the lyrics. No. <laughs> but Thomas basically comes in and he's just like, yo, 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 what up? Tommy Boy's here to save the day. Okay. Because Alexander Hamilton, he wants to come in and institute this plan. If New York's in debt, why should Virginia have to pay that debt? In the South, we create... We plant seeds in the ground. Plus, Alexander's plan is too long because he knows no one's going to read it. But let me let me summarize it for you guys. He wants to take all of our money and divide it up so all the states have equal financing, essentially. So he wants to take whose money? The North's money? Alexander's in New York and Thomas Jefferson is in Virginia. Okay, so Virginia is the rich state at this point. Yes, because they plant seeds in the ground they create. Right. You know, they have a product that they produce and New York does not. And so that is essentially Alexander's plan was centralizing a national bank. Okay. Thomas Jefferson's not for it. He's from Virginia. He's like, listen, I'm Secretary of State. Believe me. Yeah. I am seasoned. I know how politics work. Alexander Hamilton is young and dumb. So is this essentially two men mansplaining to each other the cause? Yes. Because I would pay to see that. That is just so marvelous. Yeah. Well, see, now we get to Hamilton. Alexander just comes straight out with it. Like, yo, you're taking civics lessons from a slaver? Hey, neighbor, your debts are paid because you don't pay for labor. Oh. He's talking about how Thomas just wants to keep the South rich and the North poor. That's what Thomas Jefferson wants. He doesn't want to move the money around because we're actually paying people to help us out up here in the North, and they're not doing that in the South. 
So who's really in the wrong here? I'm curious why the North didn't have slaves. The North had slaves, just not agricultural slaves. Okay. They don't have the terrain for it. Gotcha. Yeah. And so that's the thing. Their slaves provided household help. Okay. They weren't out in a cotton field because cotton doesn't grow in the cold. Okay. If the North could find something that would grow up there in their desolate city wasteland, they would definitely have agricultural slaves. They were just mad. Okay, gotcha. But Thomas and Alexander, they really get into it. They get in a fight at the end of the rap battle. Washington breaks it up and says, Alexander, you need to quit acting like a little hood rat. Act like you have some sense. You need to learn how to play politics because if you don't get your debt plan through, they're going to call for your removal and you're not going to have a job. What's Alexander's title at this point? The Secretary of the Treasury. Okay. So Alexander's, Hamilton's job is essentially managing America's money. Okay. So Alexander's really put in a tough position of, I have to make nice nice with Thomas Jefferson and James Madison or else I'm going to lose my job. The summertime is coming and Eliza, Alexander's wife, she's like, hey, you should take a break. You should come to my father's house with us and we can summer there and just relax, be a family and have a good time. Alexander's like, I'm about to lose my job if I don't get this debt plan through. So I can't take a vacation right now. And his wife, his sister-in-law and his children go away for the summer. Now, I need you to buckle up. We're about to experience some real douchebaggery, okay? Mm -hmm. Alexander has been working on this debt plan. He has to get it passed. He's tired. He's exhausted. And then Miss Mariah Reynolds walks into his life. She knocks on his door one night. Wait, who is she? Just some bitch. Okay. (laughs) She knocks on his door and she's like, I'm so sorry to bother you at home, but I don't know where to go. My husband's beating me, mistreating me. Mm. He's left me all alone. Yeah. So he claims she seduced me. I was weak and tired and she took advantage of it and seduced me and took me to her bed. Because that's that's how it works. I don't know how hard it is just to keep your dick in your pants, but apparently really fucking hard. <laughs> so Alexander says, I wish I could say that was the last time. I said that last time it became a pastime. Oh, no. So he had a full blown affair. He had a full blown affair with this woman. And one day he gets a letter from a John Reynolds. And the letter is basically like, hey, sir, I hope this letter finds you well. That was my wife <laughs> oh my that God. you decided to bang. So here's what's going to happen. You can keep banging my wife. It's totally cool. But you're going to pay me or else I'm going to tell your wife. That's right. Oh, man. So Alexander pays this gentleman, continues his affair with Mariah for a long time. Do they say how much or not really? No, they don't say how much, but they do say I paid him quarterly. So it went on for at least six, seven months. I'm curious if, you know, it might have been back in a day, like 15 cents and like two days, like $5,000 or something like that. So it was a significant amount of money. I don't know how much, but put a pin in that because we're going to come back to it Ooh, later. Okay. And she was actually colluding with her husband. They designed this whole thing. She did seduce him, but still no one like held a gun to his head and said, put your dick in her. Yeah. That we know of. That we know of, but like probably not, to be honest. But not impossible. Not impossible, but not likely. Possible, not probable. (laughs) Yes. You know, so this whole affair thing just seems to go away. Alexander still has a job to do. He is so desperate. Alexander starts acting like an actual politician at this point. Okay. He's like, all right. I'm going to have to make nice with Thomas Jefferson and James Madison in order to 
get my debt plan through. So a meeting is arranged between James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, and Alexander Hamilton. Nobody knows exactly what went down at this meeting. We know it happened, but this song is called The Room Where It Happened. And it's sang mostly by Aaron Burr. It's him basically saying how he's so mad that he's not in the room where it happened. That's all he's wanted this whole time was to be in the room where it happened and he keeps getting left out. Not to be dark, but it seems to me that Aaron Burr's solution to all his problems would have been to like... Kill Alexander. (laughs) I was going to say drive his horse and carriage over Alexander Hamilton, but sure. Uh Push him off a cliff, like not high enough to kill him, but maybe a cliff that would just maim him temporarily. It probably, you know what? We're going to put a pin in that also. Okay. In this meeting, nobody knows what got discussed. Okay. Nobody know how the sausage got made. They just know that it happened. Wait, so no one even knows what the meeting was about? Or do they know what it was about? They just don't know what was discussed. So they knew what it was about and they knew the outcome of it, but they don't know exactly how they got from point A to point B. Okay, um, tell me, what was the meeting supposed to be about? The meeting was about getting Alexander's debt plan to be passed. Alexander needs votes. Thomas Jefferson could get him those votes. And so he needed to make nice with Thomas Jefferson. But in order to do so, Thomas Jefferson had to get a little something-something. You know what I mean? Not like a sexy something-something, but like a political something-something. Do you ever watch those videos that are like conspiracy videos of yes. back in the day where they go to these crazy castles and they have, you know, the founding fathers have like orgies or they're part of some Illuminati cult or whatever? Do you think something like that was happening? Do you think it was an orgy? I don't think it was an orgy, but that would be really interesting. I mean, there's not enough holes in that room to satisfy everyone. (laughs) I mean, maybe if you like made a loop around like a circle. (laughs) And this is how Tetris was invented. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so they have this meeting, okay? The outcome of the meeting was Alexander got his debt plan passed. Mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson persuaded people to give him the votes. But they moved the nation's capital from New York to the D.C. area, what is now D.C. Okay. Because that's where Thomas Jefferson lived. That's what he wanted. So that's what he wanted. Okay. He wanted to work a little closer to home. Mm. Yo, can you imagine like your job is 10 hours away from where you live and you just work out this deal where it's like, listen, I'll help you out if you move your job like 20 minutes from my house. (laughs) And like the whole company just like relocates (laughs) 20 minutes away. That's essentially what happened. And Aaron Burr is like, you just sold New York City down the river. And this is really where Aaron Burr starts to become more aggressive because Aaron is so mad that Alexander didn't kind of consult him. He's like, I'm your I was your mentor. You would be nothing without me. I introduce you to all the right people. Mm-hmm. Burr just wants to be included. He just wants to be a part of the narrative. Mm-hmm. And he's consistently not being part of the narrative. Um, this leads us to kind of a sneaky, sneaky move from Aaron where Burr changes political parties to run against Alexander Hamilton's father-in-law for his Senate seat, and he wins. Wow, okay. Alexander's like, I thought we were friends. And Burr says, I don't see why that has to end. You take everything so personally. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't get so emotional, Alexander. (laughs) Love that. I don't even know whose side I'm supposed to be on. Right? I don't know whose side I'm supposed to be on either. (laughs) This leads us to... Rap battle number two. And this is where, again, Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton are going head to head about whether or not America is going to assist in the French Revolution. Oh, crap. So is this where we drop the ball for the French? This is where we drop the ball for the French and it's all Alexander Hamilton's fault. Damn. 
Right. This is, this is why the French hate us. Thomas Jefferson, who was the ambassador to France, he's he's a Francophile. He loves France and the French. And he's like, hey, listen, they beheaded their king. They are going up in arms. The people are leading. It's time for us to jump in and help them just like they helped us. Mm-hmm. Washington's like, Hamilton, do your thing. Hamilton's like, hey, listen, we're too weak to start another fight right now. We are not in a good place as a nation. We need to focus on us. The French will be fine. And essentially, Hamilton convinces George Washington, because this is solely George Washington's decision at this point. Is George Washington officially president? He is. Okay. Hamilton convinces George Washington, hey, we shouldn't help. Thomas Jefferson's like, Hamilton, you're quite the lawyer. Don't you have an ounce of remorse? Like Lafayette helped us. Yeah, You guys were friends. You were really close to Lafayette. Now we're just going to abandon the French. And Hamilton basically just says, you know what? Lafayette's a smart dude. He'll figure it out. Hamilton is not a ride or die. This reminds me of the Taylor Swift lyric. Mm -hmm. I bury hatchets, but I keep maps of where I put them. And I think that was the French. The French is like, Okay. Yeah. You can't help us. You're too busy. That's, that's fine. Yeah. No, no, no. Bygones. Bygones. We hate you forever. (laughs) Right. It's, it's generational grudges. Yeah. But also George Washington's main concern was the French are messy. They have guillotines. And what are guillotines? Guillotines are those things where people get beheaded with a giant razor blade that goes chop. Wait, wait, but don't the British have that too? Yeah, but the people didn't use the guillotines against their political leaders when they did piss them off. Oh, okay, gotcha. So America was like, revolution, draft a declaration of independence. We no longer belong to Britain. And the French were like, we beheaded our leaders. We beheaded them. They no longer have heads. (laughs) You can't lead without a head. So we're on a time crunch here. So we just went ahead and beheaded them. They're like, we thought about writing a declaration of independence. But then we decided to smoke cigarettes and behead them instead. Exactly. That's exactly (laughs) what happened. After Washington sides with Hamilton, Thomas Jefferson, he gets an epiphany. He's like, listen, by being in the cabinet and working for George Washington, when he goes against everything I believe in, that's wrong. I can't do that. Mm. I have to resign from my position as Secretary of State because I can't stand behind the decisions that we're making right now. One of the lyrics from the song is, if there's a fire you're trying to douse, you can't put it out from inside the house. Okay. Thomas Jefferson resigns from his position in order to run against George Washington for president. Oh, okay. When George Washington breaks this news to Alexander, Alexander's so excited. He's like, hell yeah, I'm going to use a pseudonym and write a whole bunch of shit about him and publish it in the newspaper. Because that's what they did back in the day. They would just basically like write burn books about each other, publish them in the newspaper, and then never print retractions. Like, sorry, I was angry. Now we just do Facebook posts, but you know. Yeah. Or Yelp reviews. (laughs) Right. Well, now George Washington is like, hey, no, listen, he resigned so he can run for president. Alexander Hamilton assures George Washington, hey, listen, he's never going to beat you. And at this point, George says, dude, I'm tired. He's been president for eight years at this point. And he's like, I am done. Yeah. I'm resigning. I don't want to run again. I don't want to be president again. Yeah. Y'all are too much for me. Right. Okay. The drama is just beyond. Too much. And so he has essentially Alexander Hamilton write a resignation letter 
basically stating like, hey, guys, I wish America the best. I will be stepping down. Others can run for presidency. I'm out of politics. And I just want to impart some words of wisdom on you. You know, you guys should probably stop fighting amongst yourselves. It's really not a good look. Boy, did they not listen. They did not listen. At this time, another presidential race ensues with John Adams against Thomas Jefferson. John Adams wins. There there were literally, there were presidents who, if you told me their names, I would not recognize them at all. Oh, me either. I'd be like, is that your uncle or? We like know like the first few, a few ones throughout history. And then like, since we've been born, that's about it. Anyways, back in the day, whoever lost became vice president. John Adams won. And then Thomas Jefferson became vice president. And this is really where, this is the beginning of the end for Alexander. Because after John Adams wins presidency, he fires Alexander Hamilton. So Alexander Hamilton, being the loud know-it-all hood rat that he is, he posts his response in the newspaper and basically calls John Adams a fat son of a bitch. Really? (laughs) Yes. That's so generic, though. You know, this is a politician you know intimately. And the worst thing you have to say about him is that he's fat. Like, come on. Yeah. Like, give us the real tea here. This is, like I said, the beginning of the end for Alexander Hamilton. Thomas Jefferson is vice president, but he's also very bound and determined that he needs to find some sort of dirt on Hamilton because if he doesn't ruin Alexander Hamilton's reputation, he is going to become president one day. Right. And he does not want Alexander to ever hold political office again. So he's looking for dirt on Alexander Hamilton. The tea. The T, he finds some Chuck Stubbs Mm. and he's like, got him, got him. He thinks that he was embezzling money from the from taxes. He thinks he was an embezzler. Damn, the white collar crime goes way back. It does. John Madison, Thomas Jefferson and Aaron Burr confront Hamilton about this. They're like, hey, we found these Chuck Stubbs written out to this guy in different amounts over the course of several years, we know that you were embezzling money. And Alexander's like, whoa, 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 listen, I wasn't embezzling money. I was just fucking this chick and then paying off her husband. (laughs) Relax. I wasn't embezzling money. He's like, I wasn't embezzling money. I was just having an affair. But like, hey, like, don't say anything, okay? Because like my wife doesn't know. And like, I'm not having the affair anymore. But I would really rather, you know, like keep this on the DL. And he's like, hey, like, Burr, you're not going to say anything, right? Sometimes we have our disagreements and stuff. Like, how do I know you're not going to bring this up? And Burr is like, oh, no, I for sure probably will. (laughs) Um, Burr is already paging Hamilton's wife. (laughs) Well, Alexander just, he cannot live with the knowledge of them holding this over him. And he kind of spirals. And there's only one course of action here. And you know what it is. To tell his wife? No, to write an entire brochure about it and then publish it and distribute it himself. Okay, no, that's smart. If someone is trying to blackmail you with information, you have to put the information out and take their power away. Yeah, so he puts the information out there and he details it. It's not just like, hey, I had an affair. No, he publishes how he had an affair with this woman through these dates in his bed that he shared with his wife at their home for several months. And then- Are you telling me he wrote an erotica? He wrote a, an erotic memoir. <laughs> he wrote an erotic memoir. Then he published it. It was called The Reynolds Pamphlet. Was it called Fifty Shades of Hamilton? <laughs> no, it was called The Reynolds Pamphlet. Are you sure? 
<laughs> I, I I'm not sh- I'm not for sure, but I I think I think. Do you know what I call cap right there? I feel like this whole thing is immediately not historically accurate because if Alexander Hamilton wrote an erotic memoir about his affair with details, it would be called something saucier than the memoir. An erotic memoir. Hamilton, what those hands do, comma, (laughs) an erotic memoir. But he didn't tell his wife ahead of time, though. Oh, my God. What an idiot. So he just published it. And then she found out with the rest of the fucking world. And in this song, you have... Jefferson in the background going, you're never going to be president now, never going to be president now. Alexander just ruined his own career. Right. But he didn't really have a choice. He knew that we're going to do it. Yeah. So he did it himself. I feel weird about this. I feel like I am on Thomas Jefferson's side and I never wanted to be on his side ever in my life. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> just con- no, just the same. feelings are weird. <laughs> no, for real. It's same. At this point, Eliza finds out and we get a song from Eliza basically saying, you ruined our lives because of your ambition, because you're a little fuckboy, your little piss baby. You ruined our entire lives. And then you publicized it. And she describes Hamilton as an Icarus who's flown too close to the sun. What's an Icarus? Icarus, it's a it's a from Greek mythology. Okay. It's one of those girl bossing too close to the sun. Alexander has girl bossed too close to the sun. A hundred percent. He was the first girl boss that girl bossed too close to the sun. Yeah. And so she's essentially like, you know what? Screw you, Alexander. I can't divorce you. But you know what? You're going to go sleep in your office. We are done, done. Good for her. Girl, I would be reading the newspaper more often if people were publicizing their illicit affairs. Right. Instead of like 20 pages of coupons to stores I don't go to. Yeah, 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 yeah. People, you know what? This is how we can bring print media back. <laughs> yes. Gossip columns. Gossip columns. So I feel like it should be like Gossip Girl, where there is a really nosy secret insider who knows all the tea and they spill the tea in the newspaper. And then the people Mm -hmm. whose secrets are being spilled have to come out and set the record straight with the actual, you know, because the tea is never accurate. And we're fabric. We are creating our own drama and I love it. I don't know. Like, uh, it, that's also, isn't that also the plot of um, that other period TV show by Shonda Rhimes? Bridgerton. Bridgerton, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yes. But at this point, Alexander and Eliza are separated, still living together, but not a couple. And they're probably not talking to each other. She's probably ignoring him. But at this point, their son, Philip, is an adult. He's like 18, 19 years old. He is a little mini Alexander, but not as smart and not as brazen as Alexander was. Yeah. Well, some dude was talking shit about Alexander Hamilton. And Philip Hamilton's like, I can't let that shit slide. I challenge you to a duel. Yeah. Philip goes home and he's like, Dad, I challenge this dude who was shit talking. I challenge him to a duel. And Alexander's like, my boy, I love you so much. You're making me proud. Take my gun. (laughs) (laughs) and go duel but here's what here's the thing you're not supposed to shoot your opponent you're supposed to raise your hand to the sky the person's going to be thankful that you didn't shoot them you raise you raise your gun to the sky and you shoot in the air and it's a power move okay that sounds like bad advice he's like i've done it before make me proud i'll see you afterwards we'll go get a beer oh no um well philip hamilton did that but the other guy did not and he shoots and kills philip hamilton It reminds me of the time my mom told me I had to stand up to the bully. So I did. And he put me in a headlock and like body slammed me on the ground. Holy shit. And I was like, mom, this 
it did not work. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so sorry. Usually that works. That's what I advise my children to do. You know what? I bought it on myself because that was my third time standing up to a bully. And each time I called their bluff and they were all cowards. And it just turned out this this one wasn't. Or maybe he was, but he was also bigger than me. He was like mm-hmm. a foot taller than me. <laughs> yeah. So I guess he called my bluff, huh? He did. But I advise you to always do that. Philip Hamilton dies, and Eliza blames Alexander. Not only did he condone it, he gave him very bad instructions. Like, honestly, I would sue. (laughs) Well, with the loss of a child, Alexander and Eliza reconcile. Okay. And she forgives him for essentially participating in the murder of their son and for cheating on her. That's a lot to get over. Right. Especially without meds. Our girl was like mentally stable. Yeah. Goals. Right. But is it? But is it goals? Because now she's going to be with him forever. I don't know. Mm -mm. I'd rather be unstable and alone. Listen, girly pop, stay manic. (laughs) Stay manic and medicated. But this brings us to the election of 1800, where it is Thomas Jefferson running against Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr is going door to door, essentially, like, hey, ladies, tell your husbands, vote for Burr, because women couldn't vote. <laughs> and so he's going door to door, city to city, campaigning for himself. And he, he, it was a real grassroots effort. And Thomas Jefferson was really losing kind of in preliminary polling. And Thomas Jefferson says, you know what? I need help. Mm. And he goes to Hamilton. Of course. And he's like, hey, If you could kind of like give me sort of um, an endorsement, that would really help. And Alexander is like, why the hell would I do that? And he's like, because if I lose, Burr wins. Oh, there you go. So Alexander does. Alexander says, Thomas Jefferson and I have been at opposite ends of every single political debate we've ever been on. But at the end of the day, at least Thomas Jefferson stands for something. Burr stands for nothing. Ooh, them fighting words. Yes. Thomas Jefferson wins. Okay. Burr is very mad. And finally, Alexander does what Alexander does best. And he challenges Burr to a duel. Is this what he does best, though? Because he gave his son a losing strategy. So I don't know if this is, you know, his forte. Alex is challenging Burr to a duel really sends Burr into a spiral. And when they get to the place in New Jersey in Weehawken, they get to Weehawken and they get to the dueling ground Burr is just so erratic and manic. He's like, no, listen, I'm going to have to say some of the song because it explains it the best. Burr is singing. He says, my fellow soldiers will tell you I'm a terrible shot. Alexander had his glasses on, which means he was planning on killing me. He went into the duel thinking Alexander was going to raise his gun to the sky. Right. And Burr planned on doing the same until he saw Alexander's glasses. Yeah. Burr was a horrible shot. And so he thought that he was going to miss Alexander, but he aimed in the right, wrong spot and he ended up shooting Alexander and killing him. Holy cow. Okay. I did not see this coming. So Vice President Burr at the time. He was vice president at the time. So he legit committed murder. Vice President Burr committed the murder of Alexander Hamilton and then fled the United States to Mexico. Oh, my God. And so Burr sings this sappy song about how he wished he would have known that the world was wide enough for both Hamilton and Alexander to exist at the same time. Mm. Regrets. 
he said that's his biggest regret in life is that he killed Alexander. Alexander was his oldest friend and he respected him and that they let their egos get in the way of this. And then Alexander died for it. I mean, to be fair, Alexander was never a good friend to him and was no. low-key his enemy. Frenemies are the worst. Frenemies are the worst. They're so confusing. <laughs> and so our play leaves us with a song sung by kind of everybody. And it's at Alexander's funeral. And it's called Who Lives, Who Dies, Who Tells Your Story. Okay. Alexander's singing part of it to where he talks about how a legacy is like planting seeds in the ground that you never get to see. Right. And Eliza's talking about what she did after he died, about how Angelica died before Eliza. And so Angelica and Hamilton are buried near each other in the cemetery. They found a way to have an affair, didn't they? Right. I bet their little like skeletons are like touching toes. Probably. Definitely some bone action going on there. They're boning. <laughs> but Eliza lives for a long time. She opens America's first orphanage. Okay. She also, she raised money to build the Washington Monument. Eliza Hamilton did? Yes. Wow. Okay. You know what? I want a play about Eliza Hamilton. She sounds like a very interesting character. So there is a book by um, Laura Kamoy called My Dear Hamilton or My Dearest Hamilton. And it's written from Eliza's perspective about her life. Okay. It is amazing. But Thomas Jefferson did not go to Alexander Hamilton's funeral. Oh my God, what a petty bitch. He was a petty bitch to the bitter end. He did not go. They're like, hey, Alexander Hamilton died in a duel. And Thomas is like, oh no, I'm shocked and surprised. I am washing my wig that day, but I send my best wishes in this 35-page letter. But that is where our play leaves us. That was very enjoyable. Thank you, Courtney. I feel like I've seen Hamilton now. I don't need to see it. No, you do. No, I, I'm fine. Who lives, who dies, who tells your story. <laughs> you know what? Not singing was really hard for me. I appreciate because it. I, I know the words. Yeah. Like, I love it so much. You did an amazing job. I felt thoroughly informed and entertained. Well, the teapot is now empty because Hamilton is dead. Don't worry, more is bringing it on the way. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you next time. Bye.